I don't know. The, well, I was gonna oh, fucking I forgot what I was gonna say. God damn it. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, it was good. Morning recordings, people. <sighs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> 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 oh, this is terrible. Welcome to Secondhand Stories. I'm your host, Jim Zabo. I'm your co-host, Colleen Stewart. Sorry for how late this episode is, everybody, but uh, as Colleen and I have been talking off air, um, Colleen's just swamped. Yep, I'm chronically busy. Chronically overworked. Yes. Um, But we got this story out in time for Halloween. We have a story (gasps) called... Uh, I thought it was kind of scary. Colleen maybe didn't think it was as scary, but that's okay. Um, it's called When the Signal Ends by Rebecca Lynham. Um, and we did something a little different today. So Rebecca has sent us two stories that we're going to run. We're running another one in December. Um, she was not interested in reading her stories, which is totally fine. And so I reached out to a professor from William and Mary where I went to school. Um, she's a professor of theater, art, and dance, I think, um, Professor Wiley. She's an audiobook narrator. Um, professional audiobook narrator as well and she has a couple of independent studies with students who are doing voiceover work so we asked her if they would be willing to read a story and we got jimmy cooper um, a student to read this story so we're pretty excited about that so i didn't know about this yeah it's pretty cool so exciting yeah Yeah, i love this this is amazing yeah go jimmy and rebecca this is cool i hope you like this yeah rebecca was super nice and was totally willing to to let us try this out so amazing um, i love this idea and this story it'll be so much better oh yeah it's gonna be way better than me (laughs) yeah way better than us being like especially the story has three different accents in it so i'm really i honestly haven't gotten a chance to listen (gasps) to this yet so i'm i'm hoping that they they really nail it I love it. Um, So here's your story. We have to go to Jasper Beach, my little brother Braden whined. Jasper would want us to. Jasper is our orange tabby cat. We had picked up a main attractions book at a rest area, and since then, Braden had insisted that we go to Jasper Beach. Okay, darling, Mom said with her usual smile. One day Brayden will be a 50-year-old man and she will still cater to his every whim. Maybe it will be a change from all the other beaches, my father said behind the wheel of our white BMW. We had driven up from Alabama all the way to Maine. The beaches in New Hampshire were so crowded that you couldn't even walk without stepping on someone else's towel. The same went for the beaches in Lower Maine, not to mention that the water was colder than ice despite it being July. Braden flipped through the guidebook. It says, Just south of Machias, visitors will be pleasantly surprised at the array of red, green, and brown rocks on Jasper Beach, a rock collector's paradise. I grabbed it from him. Is that all? Give it back, Daniel. Sheesh. I threw the magazine at his head and looked out the window at the setting sun. The fog had rolled in half an hour ago, making the few ramshackle houses we passed look like something out of a horror movie. Right turn, ahead, the phone announced. We were using Google Maps on Dad's phone. My cell phone showed that connection with the Internet had been lost long ago. I hadn't received a text message in at least an hour. There is no right turn ahead, 
Dad said in his Dutch accent. He's originally from Dutch-speaking Belgium and speaks perfect English, but when he's stressed, the Dutch accent comes out. We might as well turn around and go back to the hotel in Ellsworth, I said. Before we forget how we got here, the phone can't navigate a return course without a signal, and there's nothing out here. No! Braden wailed. We're going to Jasper Beach! Yeah, like you're gonna be able to see anything in all this fog, I muttered. You two, stop arguing, Mom said in her ever-patient voice, but even that was starting to sound frazzled. Shoot! Dad yelled, and I looked up just in time to see a huge rock in the middle of the road. We plowed into it with a sickening scraping noise underneath the car. Finally, the rock bounced out behind the car and rolled into a ditch. Pull over, Mom said, pointing to a break in the trees on our left. There. Dad steered the car into a dirt path big enough for one car. Behind us, I saw a trail of oil. That wasn't a good sign. The transmission is out, Dad said again, his Dutch accent getting stronger. The display flashed a dangerous yellow exclamation point. Without a working transmission, we wouldn't be going anywhere anytime soon. We piled out of the car to find that a puddle of oil had already spilled out onto the dirt road, soaking everything in sight. Oil was also pouring out the back tailpipe of the BMW, and the trunk was splattered in oil. I'll call AAA, Mom said, but I already knew it was hopeless. There was no signal out here in the foggy twilight of Maine. I looked at my phone. 7.42 p.m. Jasper Beach! Braden suddenly yelled, pointing to a tattered wooden sign hidden behind a few tree branches. Huh, I said with a half-disbelieving laugh. Jasper Beach does really exist. Daniel, take Braden down to the beach while I go find a phone, Dad said. We have no cell service out here. By now, he sounded like a Dutch tourist, so I knew things were serious. Braden had already run down the tree-lined path in fog thicker than cotton candy. Following it, I found a small parking area big enough for maybe six cars. I shook my head. The travel guide must have been desperate to get tourists out to Jasper Beach to have hyped it up this big. Braden, I called. Where are you? I climbed up a hill of pure rocks, most of them round in various shades of gray and dark red. A few were white with speckles of shiny black. Out in the distance, I heard the distinctive crash of a huge wave. This was definitely the beach. Daniel, come look! Braden's voice rang out from somewhere in the fog. There's nothing but rocks, and they make a tinkling sound when the water rushes back over them. I followed the sound of his voice down the hill of rocks until I saw him at the water's edge. He was staring out into the foggy ocean. From what I could see of the water, it slanted sharply and got deep quickly. This was nothing like the flat, sandy beaches I knew from the Alabama coast. Be careful, kiddo, I said. If you fall in, you'll catch pneumonia. I stuck a hand in the water to confirm what I had thought, that it was icy cold. This is what it feels like to be at the edge of the world, I thought, and stepped toward the rocky edge of the water, alone with no sign of life. I was staring at the back and forth of the waves as if hypnotized. 
Suddenly, Braden stumbled back across the rocks and ran up the rocky incline. Daniel! His puny voice whimpered. I looked up and choked back a gasp. There in the water floated a head. I leapt backwards. Dripping with orange seaweed, it rose out of the water and was followed by a white-dressed body. Bone-thin arms draped in strips of seaweed swayed back and forth. Next came pale, skinny legs, barefoot. By this time, I had joined Braden up on the top of the rock pile. It's a ghost! Braden kept wailing, his face smeared with tears. I probably should have grabbed him and run, but I couldn't stop staring at her. The seaweed slipped from her hair, and I noticed that it was a dark red color. Her eyes were sunken back into her hollow face. It's just a skinny girl, I said not very convincingly. She's probably from some summer camp around here somewhere. I rolled my eyes. That was about as probable as me getting a cell phone signal out here in the boonies. The girl looked to be around 10 or 12. She stepped from the chilly water and teetered up the slope toward us. Her long dress, which looked like it had once been white, was torn in places and dingy with age. Help me, she said, her voice hollow. More of the seaweed dropped from her shoulders and arms to land on the red, green, and brown rocks of Jasper Beach. <laughs> Braden yelled and zoomed off toward the car. I was frozen in place except for my eyes. My eyes frantically darted from the freaky sea maiden of Jasper Beach to the cell phone in my hand, which still had no signal. Not that a 911 operator would have believed me anyway. Uh, yes, I'd like to report a ghost out at Jasper Beach, please. The girl stopped right in front of me. I need help. I inched back a few millimeters. I... we... we can't even help ourselves. Our car just broke down and we have no cell phone signal. I waved the phone around with a silly grin on my face. After all, what are you supposed to say to a ghost who asks you for help? Especially when you're scared to death yourself. Signal? Is that a walkie-talkie? Despite her garbled voice, she had the typical Maine accent so different from my own. It looked like she was having trouble understanding my Alabama drawl. She kept narrowing her eyes to focus on reading my lips. No, it's a phone, I said, raising one eyebrow. I wondered how backward she must be to not recognize a smartphone. Everyone's practically attached to them nowadays. Then she reached out and grabbed my wrist, plucking the cell phone away with her other hand. Her cold, bony fingers felt stronger than handcuffs, and a prickly feeling, kind of like static electricity, ran down my spine. The other campers dared me to go swimming at night, she said, and a storm came. It took me a few seconds to realize that the torn and dirty white dress she was wearing was a nightgown. Suddenly, I put two and two together. This was no ghost. It was a random camper at one of these summer camps. As deserted as this area was, it was bound to have at least half a dozen of them hidden away behind the thick evergreen trees. And I got lost, the girl continued. Yes, this is good. She stared at the screen of my cell phone with so much intensity that I could have sworn I saw static electricity spitting out of her eyes. Well, our car's not working, but as soon as we get a tow truck, we can give you a lift to the nearest. Mom! There it is! 
Braden's frantic voice rang out. I turned to see him dragging Mom across the rocks toward me and the stranded camper. Thud. The girl released her hold on my wrist, and my cell phone hit the rocks, screen first. I cringed. That wouldn't be a cheap repair. There's what, Brayden? Mom's exasperated voice snapped. For once, she seemed out of patience with him. You dragged me away from the one house in the area with a landline to show me Daniel sitting on the rocks? She looked ready to bite nails in two. I looked from them to my cell phone still lying on the rocks, but the girl was gone. I tried to stay calm. But she was right there, Brayden whimpered. She was a ghost girl and she asked for help. I cleared my throat. <clears throat> she was a camper who got lost, I said. She took a dare to go swimming in the middle of the night. She's from some random summer camp around here. I felt like I was babbling, but it was better than trying to explain how she suddenly disappeared. Even I couldn't do that. Maybe she had gotten cold feet. <laughs> Daniel, Brayden, Molly, AAA is sending a tow truck. Dad's voice called out through the fog. His accent was almost gone now. He must be feeling less stressed. I finally shrugged it off and figured she had decided to find her own way back. Mom, Braden, and I walked back over the rocks to our stranded car and waited there for the tow truck. It took so long that I guessed there must be only one tow truck in all of Maine. Braden kept trying to convince us that he had seen a ghost and that he never wanted to go to Jasper Beach again. But you were so excited to go just a few hours ago, I said, flipping through the apps on my phone. It was annoying trying to peer at them through a cracked screen, but suddenly my mood brightened. Hey, I have a signal. Mom looked at her own phone. I still don't, and we have the same carrier. She grabbed Dad's phone. No, nothing. I smiled and opened a flood of text messages. One was from no telephone number at all. Hi, it said. Thanks for helping me. I was confused. A picture popped up, and I noticed a link to an article from an old newspaper. Curious, I clicked on it. Girl 11 dies in lightning strike at summer camp, the headline read. It went on to tell of a girl named Linda Miller, whose body had been found just outside of Camp Micaias at Jasper Beach. At first, officials had thought she had died by drowning, but later determined she had been struck by lightning. The article was dated July 18, 1957, 60 years ago today. A black and white photo of the girl from the beach smiled up at me. The cracked screen distorted her features. Another message popped up from no telephone number. You will always have a signal on this device because you helped me. It read as the black and white photo appeared next to the message. I felt a prick of static electricity zing against my hand as I typed. What's going on here? I live in your device now with my one billion volts of electricity. A blood-curdling scream pierced my eardrum. I swiveled my head around to see Braden staring at my phone's cracked screen in horror. The black and white photo had become animated now and was waving at him. Hi, Braden. It typed, sparks of static electricity spitting out between the cracks. We're going to be the best of friends. 
I actually don't have a bio for Rebecca, so we're we can just do the. We can add, let's ad lib a bio for Rebecca. Okay. I know nothing about this girl. I don't either. She's from Madison, Alabama. She's thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about all the information I got on her story. Um, she. I wonder how Alabama is. I bet it's nice. I bet I'm gonna I'm gonna make up a life for Rebecca. So I bet Rebecca lives in Alabama. She eats a lot of good Alabama Southern food, and she has two kids and writes a lot of horror stuff and reads Stephen King, like we said before. <laughs> big, I'm sorry, Rebecca, that's that not one. your life. <laughs> that was tough. It's early, yeah, people. It's early. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can get a, a bio from Rebecca otherwise, I think. Otherwise, that one will stand. That one will stand. Yeah, that'll be the one. <laughs> What do you, what'd you, how'd you like it? Um, I thought it was like, if you took it, like, if you could take it seriously, that it was, it could be scary. Like, I kind of felt, I kind of compared it to, I don't know, kind of paranormal activity in that way. Like, if I watch paranormal activity, that was and I'm the like, only thing that I thought when I just said that, I was like, oh, but paranormal activity is like, pr- like pretty good and like it's pretty, like, modern. Yeah. Like, I know, I think I've watched it twice and I feel like the first time I like took it super seriously and I was, Mm-hmm. shitting my pants like super scared <laughs> but the second time i was like oh like this is so lame like if you go i feel like horror is very unique in that regard like you can choose how you want to perceive it if that makes sense yeah no i i agree because well it's i guess it's like a part of like being being scared like you can talk yourself out of it kind of like, yeah. Cause like, especially when there's like supernatural things, like since it's so unknown, mm-hmm. you can be like, Oh, it's just not real. And then that's and like, you don't have to worry about it. But like with something like realistic, like, you know, like a, a love story movie, like you're like, Oh, like that could actually be real. Like that actually makes me sad because that relates to my life. Right. Blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's interesting though, like paranormal activity because, um, and like this story, no, it's just something about like the technology of it. Like I think that's just like a really big aspect of it. Yeah, I I wanted to say that you know we talked about how um, we really liked the last story, a wedding story from Nicholas McDonald, yeah. because we don't get a lot of stories with technology, and I thought that this mm-hmm. one used it pretty well, also. Yeah, and it used it also played on the whole like this is you know I think it's it's going to be and already has been a popular like trope with teenage aged children in movies and books and, and whatnot like the so obsessed with their phones like they need to have service all the time this and that mm-hmm. um i think that was it was it just it kind of gave it like a humor to it and also like a it was also pretty kind of more it also like on the same time like oh this is what i was gonna say it i feel like the the technology both works for and against like believe believing it like it works for it in that fact that like it's you know fairly realistic of you know what would actually happen if this actually occurred but it's also funny because it's like ghost taking over a, like an iphone like what the hell like, <laughs> like that's just like so ghosts don't do that ghosts just like pop up in mirrors and like spin their heads all the way around like <laughs> they don't like pop up in iphones and like do that do that stuff like that so i actually I feel like that was what i was gonna say yeah I want to talk about ghosts for a second because okay, I I just love, I feel like ghosts are never shy about telling you what happened to them. Like anytime <laughs> yeah. you meet a ghost, they're like, 
so right before I died, like this happened. It's like, okay, ghost, like I just met you and I'm still <laughs> the fact that you're a ghost, like chill out a bit. Like, That's a good one. You're right. It's so true. It's like, what's that? Why is that the first thing they tell you? Like, what every time, fa- what their favorite type of cookie <laughs> is? Like, come on. <laughs> I just don't get it. But it, I that mean, it, like, that happens everywhere, and I'm sure that that wasn't like. It is. It's so I, true. I never thought about that. I think probably like the one, the one example that I could think of where that probably doesn't happen, at least not right away, is I think in Harry Potter, the ghosts like you have to ask them what happened. Right, right, but, but that, but they're not supposed to be scary. True, yeah, they're just so that's. Like, I guess that's they're just supposed out. to be like chilling. Yeah. Um. Well, I think it's like we just you know, I, I, there's a whole culture of of people who treat the supernatural and the paranormal like very differently than how we portray it in the media. Just like everything we do with the media, just destroy things. <laughs> like people, there are like people that are you know like have good relationships with the supernatural world that mm-hmm. they believe in yeah i don't know i mean i i, don't, I like i struggle with this question a lot because people like do you believe in ghosts and i'm like i i i don't know because i see some shit sometimes and i'm like oh that's that's fucking what but then other times i'm like no that's there's no way like that's just like totally out there like no way yeah i don't know what do, what do you believe in ghosts jim I bet at one point, I, I probably go back and forth. Like, I'm sure at one point I did. I'm sure at some points I don't or I haven't. I don't really know how I feel right now. Probably not. I don't think I do. But I'm sure that something could happen where I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, that's, I believe that. Like, I'm just thinking yeah. back to, like, um, remember when we used to have the Warrens do Oh, yes. Fundraiser? I was hoping we were going to talk yeah, about Yeah, let's this. do that. So <laughs> I met Mrs. Warren one time. Yes. I've um, met her in Kohl's and fucking shopping what? for her tish. Oh, I never let's, told let's you that. that one. Nope. I haven't heard no that story. No way. I definitely told you. This was so long ago. It was like right after we had... All right, background for everybody because we know what we're talking about, but nobody else does. Mm-hmm. So everyone, the the Warrens. Um, Lorraine and Ed. Lorraine and Ed. Um, Ed since is past, but Lorraine is still living, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Yep, I looked it up she, recently. She's still alive. Good God, that woman, she's got to be like almost 100 years old. <laughs> she's, uh, God, she's going to like cast me down. Good God. Um, <laughs> no, she's a very sweet woman, but mm-hmm. she is like, she's literally, and I would say she's an ethereal being yeah. as a person. Like, she's yeah. just like ethereal. But so the the Warrens, they um, are of Annabelle and The Conjuring fame, if any of you have seen those movies. I think they, Amityville Horror, too, right? Yes, Amityville Horror. I don't know if they're, like, they're, they're not, like, portrayed in that movie, though, I don't think. No, but are I they? think they were, like, the investigators of that Yeah, one. they were, yeah, they were a part of that, too. They were very, it was, what was it, the 70s? Yeah, I don't know. They were very, like, um, sought after in the 70s for these types of cases, blah, blah, blah. They're ghost um, hunters, basically. The ghost, yeah, essentially ghost hunters. Um, but they 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 were very involved in their like the religious aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, so and they would um, they never performed exorcisms, but they were a part of them. And there was very many cases you can look them up, do a bunch of reading. Very interesting people. Um, they would come to our high school in Shelton, Connecticut. <laughs> Just give it where it is. Um, you can go; it probably still runs. Um, <clears throat> And it was a fundraiser for our swim team, and Lorraine and, before Ed passed, he would come also, they would talk about their um, kind of escapades and adventures and, and give, like, a little presentation. And then Lorraine, who is clairvoyant, would read the room and read people's auras, which would always give everybody a good spook. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yes, that's what we're talking about. Now, what were we just going to say? You were about? talking oh, about Eric Coles? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> we I, we would go to this, obviously, because we were part of the swim team. And, um, it was, and, I mean, it always scared me. I don't know about you, but it scared me. Yeah. And I... s- the next week, I was in Coles with my mom, minding my own business. And I look up from the rack and I see... Lorraine Warren standing there just like looking through the t-shirts and I'm like oh god and she's the and like people she has the most crystal like blue eye. they almost look like you could see through it's just yeah, they're, they're indescribable looking. I was gonna they, yeah I, too. they're like you yeah just can't. you can't describe them they're just so so blue and I just looked and she just like looked and smiled at me and just like kept like going with her day and i was just like holy shit she's reading my aura right now like good god <laughs> i was like and like she, it's so terrible for me to say that because she's probably just like a normal woman but like i don't know you you put her someone in that context for so long it's just like she seems almost like a, a ghost herself yeah i i was gonna tell i think i only went to the the event whatever one time i feel like i i didn't go very often for whatever reason i think um, i went like yeah, like twice or once, maybe. Yeah. No. I mean, we always had to sell tickets or whatever, but I don't think yeah, I yeah. went that often. But I, so the one time that I remember going, um, you know, I was in the room watching the presentation. It was scary, whatever. I don't remember a whole lot of it. I think that at that time, like she went through periods of like not great health, I think. Yeah. So she had I'm like sure. an assistant or something present a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. So anyway, there was one time I I was there and then I I left for whatever reason. I like walked out of the auditorium and was walking around the lobby of the high school or somebody mm-hmm. pulled me out. I don't remember which one. Yeah. And I walked over to the doors like to go outside and she was standing there. Somebody needed to let her back in. She needed to go make a call to check on her pet sitter or something. It was like mm-hmm. and like you said, you like just ran into her calls like the most normal thing that right, anybody right. could need. And so I was like standing there with the door, like watching her talk on the phone. And then she like got off the phone and I just, she like was, she had a little bit of a conversation with me and just like her eyes are so piercing. They're and so like, piercing. It's, it was, it was really, it was a, a kind of a wild experience just like yeah. talking to her like face to face. Mm-hmm. That, I don't know. It was just, it was pretty No, cool. I totally agree. And I always, I always kind of like loved, but also like got freaked out by when she like, after Ed died, and she would come and be like, um, Ed's here, like, Ed's here right now, he's, like, you know, excited to be here, like, all like that. I mean, you know, God knows that that's actually true, but, like, it always, I don't know, for some reason, I always believed her. Every time she said it, I was like, yeah, this dude's, I don't know, I just, like, feel like she's right. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's, it was, I don't know. And, like, that kind of stuff, like, always made me believe that, like, yeah, maybe this is true, but it's just, like, I don't know, it's, it's, I mean, we, we get so stuck on trying to believe things that we can see, and this happens in this story. Like, the girl disappears, and the mom's like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, there's nothing there, yeah. there's nothing there. And it's like, but I saw her, she's right there, she's right there. And I think that we get so stuck on that. And I think, I mean, our culture is essentially based on that. Like, without sight, like, our culture is, is, is like, nothing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I wanted to jump in on that for... I'm. I'm still reading It by Stephen King. I'm sure everybody's tired of me talking about it. I have like 60 (laughs) pages left, so I should finish it today. But anyway, it's a long book, though. It's so long. It's like 1,080 pages or something. Yeah, well, that's all right, Jim. We'll give you you some slack on that. Yeah. Uh, So, but like a lot of the story is just about 
like children having fears and mm-hmm. having the imagination that adults just like can't perceive or understand. Right. And right, because like, the adults exactly, can't see it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In in the in it, the adults can't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in this story, the mom can't see, and I, I just felt like there are a lot of king connections. Like the story is in Maine. It's a right. horror story. I thought about that. There are yeah. kids, and like I don't know. It just um. Was I? Oh, and the other like very small tidbit that I wanted to mention, and I don't, it probably wasn't intentional because it's like close, but not close enough. Mm-hmm. But I believe, um, I think it's when the the boy's reading the article about the girl, mm-hmm. it mentions like when she disappeared. And I think it was July of 1957 or something. Mm-hmm. And one of the cycles of it starts in like August of 1957 or something in oh. in the book. That's like when the whole thing kicks off. Is it's in 1957, but I don't, it might be October or November, right. I think. But yeah, I just thought that was a that was a cool connection. Um, do you think that there's a moral to this story? Like, should he help ghosts or not? That's funny. I don't know. Um, I think that's what part what the the part of this that like kind of like threw me because I was like, kind of like waiting for it to be like, boo, scary, now you're haunted. It's like, she's like, no, thanks for helping me. It was almost like Dora the Explorer, like, woohoo, like, we've, we found the place and we've saved the girl. Like, it's it was kind of funny, like, to have that ending to a horror story because you don't usually expect that to happen. It's just kind of like, things get spooky, bad th- something bad happens, and then, like, everybody's, like, I don't know, like, okay after that or whatever. Yeah. But it was it was kind of weird, and I liked it because I was like, "Oh, this is kind of like it's it gives it a little like something extra to the end, and like then you're kind of wondering like, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen next. Like his phone's gonna be like haunted for the rest of like its time. <laughs> like I don't know. It was yeah, because like I so what I took from it was like he helped the ghost, mm-hmm. but then it was like doing no good deed goes unpunished. Like he helped her. But now, and like his phone is going to work great, but it sounds like she's going to bother him a lot. Like she's yeah. gonna be basically haunting him, even though he helped her. Right. So that's true. It's like the moral was... is like good, but bad for him. Right. And like there doesn't need to be a moral, obviously, but like just the takeaway of like, should you yeah. help ghosts or like, I don't know. Hmm. Nobody had helped her before, it sounds like. That's true. Although he didn't really do much, he like gave yeah, her the phone kinda, and she just ran away. Stood there. Yeah. I don't think he really gave it to her. He kind of took it. She kind of took it from yeah. him. She was like, "I need that." <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, it kind of um, plays in what I was talking about before. Like, puts the the negative tone on like the supernatural world. It kind of like negates that a little bit. It still kind of has it, but like it also it's like, oh, well, you like helped this ghost, and like now you have something good to show from it instead of it like haunting like actually being bad for you like it's not it's not gonna be bad for him that per se like maybe like she'll annoy him but like i don't know he's always gonna have service that's pretty cool (laughs) i also love like this is nothing against rebecca like this is totally a trope that it always happens with ghosts but like their clothes are always ripped up and they're always wearing a goddamn (laughs) nightgown why why are we always wearing nightgowns because it's i don't get it that's the scary time but I don't get like ever, who nobody even wears nightgowns anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, in 1957 they did. I that's know, she, but like I just died. feel I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm trying to poke holes in something that doesn't need to be poked holes in, but I just <laughs> always feel like everyone's wearing a ripped up nightgown. Yeah, 
nothing against you, Rebecca. I think the story is great. I just, <laughs> just like throwing that out there. Something to think about. Um, I want like I want a, a ghost that's dressed in like a bomber jacket and docks. Like, <laughs> give me that. <laughs> I want I want to see that because that would be that would be honestly be pretty interesting. Um, yeah, it would. Okay. If they looked like more like you, like they looked more like from your time. Yeah, you know? I feel like I don't know. Maybe it would be I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see like how that would play out. You should write a story where oh a god, ghost, Jim, <laughs> uh, a ghost tries to pass off itself as a regular person. Hmm. Yeah, I'll write a story in all my free time. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so thank you again, Rebecca, for sending us your story when the signal ends. Um, I want to thank Jimmy Cooper and Professor Wiley again. Um, it was so nice of them to to try this out. I hope I hope it went well for them. I think it went well for us. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to thank Colleen again for hosting with me. I want to thank everybody for their patience with us. Uh, our schedule is probably going to be irregular because we're irregular people. Because we are humans and we are fluid. That too. Yeah. There it is. Um and yeah, I want to thank everybody for listening and tune back in for whatever our next episode will be. And keep listening. Just do that. Yeah. Keep slowing down and listening up. <laughs> <laughs>